God. All right. God's got a word for us today. And I believe that he's prepared all of our hearts and minds to receive it as he's already been moving in this place by his spirit. Can we give our praise team a hand this morning? Such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful job. That's what happens when we don't allow them to praise for us, but we praise with them. Marvelous things happen in the atmosphere when the Holy Spirit is here and he, when he is in control, okay? All right, let us bow our heads and pray at this time. Father, we thank you for the word of God that is powerful uh, we thank you for the word of God that is alive and that is active and it never fails. We thank you that we are going through climate change. We are changing our environment from an environment of unbelief and fear to a, an environment of faith and miracles. We are moving our marriages. We are moving our mindsets, God, to from carnality and from this world to a more heavenly position and posture. I thank you, God, that we're going to see the glory of the Lord in our lives because we are obedient to your word. I pray that we fall in love with your word this year more and more and more. More time in the word, the atmosphere of the word instead of the atmosphere of entertainment, God. I pray, God, that the world would lose its hold on us and that we would fall in love with your word and we would begin to see the miraculous things you desire us to see. May lives be transformed. May faith come at the hearing of this word. Lord, I thank you for an anointing being upon uh, me today to preach your word, an anointing being upon them to hear. I declare in Jesus' name that ears be open to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. The ringing that I hear, is it because I moved too close to the speakers or what? You got me. All right. I don't know uh, if that was my fault or what. Hi, everybody. Yeah. When did you guys get here? <laughs> Good to see you. I, I, I tell you what, the atmosphere of God's presence should be your favorite thing because we're headed to heaven. We're heaven bound. And that's just a little inkling of what we'll experience in God's presence forevermore. Oh, how sweet it is to be in the presence of God and in the company of our brothers and sisters. We are continuing the series called Climate Change, and today's message is entitled, Believing is Seeing. I know the world tells you that seeing is believing, but in the spirit, and as it relates to the children of God, it's the opposite. It's believing is seeing. So whatever you're believing, that's what you're going to see. So as we transition our lives from uh, where we are to where God desires us to be, we've got to move by faith. Our lives will become substantially better as we begin to operate more by faith than by feelings. More by faith than by emotions. More by faith than by the ideas of men. It's time for us to flush the toilet of our minds from the stinky thoughts and decrees of this world and say, I'm done believing everything the news and those around me have been telling me, and I'm ready to refresh my mind so that I will have an atmosphere of the word of God so I'll be able to see like God sees. Amen? So, what we see will be gloriously transformed to what God said if we'll walk by faith and not by sight. Unbelief brings distortion to our lives. So, believe and see God's glory restored. Pray this prayer with me. Lord, I believe but help my unbelief. We're going to say it again. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. All of us deal with some unbelief. 
There are some situations in our lives, there are some things that we've been believing wrong or erroneously about uh, for many years because we've accepted something as truth that may not be truth. I've heard people say things like this, my dad died at the age of 70, so that's probably when I'll die. Or my mom didn't live a very long life, so that's probably how long I'll live. You gotta flush the toilet on those thoughts right now, and you've gotta say, you know what? I'm not going to walk by sight. I'm not gonna let what I see or what I've seen dictate to me what I can have or what I'll believe. You've got to get the word of God inside of your heart and mind, and you will see that it will create, I think we're about at 4D, 5D, where are we at with graphics now? 6D, 7D, I don't know where we are with graphics, but I tell you what, if you will allow God's word to live in your heart and your mind, what you will see is what God sees. But there's no shortcuts. You've got to pray, and you've got to believe, and you've got to read the Bible. You've got to allow the Word of God to become the atmosphere in which you see the world through. So this is the, the um, what's the name of this message? Climate change. This is the climate change that God wants us to experience. There is so much in the word of God that is true and for you, but if you don't read it and believe it and receive it, you won't see it. Here's the truth. Some of you are where you are in life right now, the job, the house, the, the, the marital state, whatever it might be, because you're seeing what you believe for. Mm, you got to get this. You got to get this. You can't let mama, Ray Ray, your teachers, you can't let them dictate to you where you'll go in life. You can't let them say, you know what? Nobody in your family ever graduated from college. Why are you even going? You've got to flush that thought away and say, you know what? I'm going to do whatever God said I can do because my ability and my future is not tied to what I see, but it's tied to what I believe. Church, what are you believing? You are seeing whatever you are believing. If you want to see more, you've got to believe for more in accordance with God's will. That's the, that's the kicker right there. So what you should pray is this. God, my life as it is, am I living in your perfect will? Am I where you want me to work, where you want me to live? Lord, where am I? Am I, am I at the place that you designed me and desired me to be? And if I'm not, may my, my faith be stirred up to match. Let's go to the Bible. Isaiah chapter 55. You can either turn there in your Bible or the screen behind me will also have the word of God there before you. Do you know how blessed we are to be able to have the Bible? Can we praise God for the Bible today? The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I'll stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. I haven't sang that song in 39 years and six months and four days, all right? But it's still true. Fall in love with your Bible again. The more you love your Bible, the more you fall in love with God because they're the same, okay? We're in Isaiah 55. Again, believing is seeing. Here we go. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come. Take your choice of wine, there's the wine, or milk. It's all free. How much is it? Free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. 
Remember, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, right? But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the true food for our spirit, man, is what God says. Listen again. Listen to me. He said, stop wasting money on food that perishes. You want to live? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. Because why? Because God's word is life. Let's keep going. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples? I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations you do not know, and peoples unknown to you will come running to obey, because I, the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. What has he made us? Say it again. Glorious. Glorious. You're not busted. You're not broke down. You're not disgusted. You're not heartbroken. You're not sick. You are glorious because that's who God made you to be. Verse 6. Man, that was just five verses. Verse 6. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now. When, church? Now. Call on him now while he is near. Let, see, this is climate change right here. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Here's climate change. You got to move. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. Verse 8. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For This is climate change. Listen, listen. He's trying to take us from where we are. We're lowly at times. We're carnal. We only believe what we see. We hear some bad news, and we receive it as Bible truth. We see things we don't like, and we receive it as Bible truth. And God is saying, stop doing that. Look to me. I am the one that causes things to be glorious, okay? For just as, heaven, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Can you say climate change? Climate change. God wants us to say, he's, he's saying this, stop keeping your thoughts earthly and carnal. Stop thinking like just a man or a woman. Stop using your own mind or your intellect. Stop using your own vision, your own ways, because he's saying this, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And what is he saying? Come, come to me, call out to me. I'll give you a new perspective on this thing called life. The doctors are saying that you're going to die. Uh, people are saying that the marriage is over. No, no, come to me. Call upon me while I can still be found, and I'm going to show you what, how I see it, okay? Climate change. Verse 10, the rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause. Can you say they cause? They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. It is the same with my word. So he's telling us naturally that when he causes it to rain 
and to snow that the water settles upon the earth and it causes grain to grow and produces seed for the farmer and then bread for the hungry. Now he's saying that's the natural, but I want to take you to a higher climate. I want to give you a revelation about me that you might not understand. And here's what he's saying. It is the same with my word. I send it out. So just like the rain hits the earth, God sends out his word. I send it out. And occasionally, it produces fruit. Not occasionally. Always. Woo! If you get this revelation, church, your Bible will become your favorite book again. Because you'll say, okay, boss, man, I hear what you're saying about this situation, but I've got to go to God and see what he's saying because his thoughts and his ways are higher than here. Church, there is a ladder. There is a, I just see a ladder coming down from heaven right now that he will allow us to climb up and get a better view, a better perspective, and see things the way that he sees them, okay? He's trying to teach us something. He's trying to show us that the same way that rain causes seed to grow so that farmers can produce bread for us and that we can eat, it's the same way with his word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. This is God talking, right? So if a man told you this, you might not believe it. See, my dad used to tell me something when I was a boy. He said, Damien, if you would just do stuff around this house without me asking, I wouldn't mind giving you some money. I wouldn't mind doing it. If you would, if you would just, boy, if you would just cut the grass. Without me having to tell you to cut the grass, I wouldn't mind giving you a little money. But I didn't believe him. So it always took him pushing me and saying, boy, will you wash the car? I remember telling my dad one time, dad, you gonna, I'm going to wash the paint off this car. <laughs> I was a lazy boy. But he's trying to teach me some principles and teach me some things that, that if I were to believe him, I would be blessed, right? And God's trying to teach us some principles this morning that if we will believe him, we will be blessed. Again, he's saying it here. It is the same way with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. And if, 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 as if that was not good enough, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. So it doesn't matter about the economical background of your family. If God sends a word to your neighborhood, then your house is going to be blessed. I don't care if every car in the neighborhood gets broken into, they're going to skip your car because something's just going to not feel right about that car. Because when God sends his word, it will perform everywhere he sends it to. Amen? So the thing I want you to walk away with here is this. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Isaiah 55, 11 in the Amplified Version says it this way. So I'm using the New, Living Test, uh, the New Living Translation. And the reason I use the New Living Translation to teach from is because it's more understandable for those who do not have a, 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 a great grasp on the Word of God. Okay, so maybe you study from King James, or maybe you study from wherever, but uh, I've got to deliver the word as, as a pastor. I've got to deliver the word so people can understand it, okay? So sometimes uh, I'll study from the Amplified. Now, the Amplified version amplifies, all right? It turns up uh, the, the definitions, the, 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 the vocabulary is more vivid, more strong. So here's the amplified version of Isaiah 55:11. So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void 
or useless or without result, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So Isaiah 55, 11 is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible because it lets me know that whatever God says absolutely has to happen without fail. It doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. No matter how impossible it looks, God's word never returns to him void or undone. All that in mind, let's now move to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, and then we've got one passage after that, and then we're through. Don't try to guesstimate when I'll be done, because you just don't know. You'll be highly disappointed if you place your order for food 30 minutes from now, because it's going to be very cold by the time you pick it up. Here we go. Mark 4, 35 through 41. The name of this series is called Climate Change. The name of the sermon is called Believing is Seeing. Where we're going right now is to say whatever God says, that's going to happen no matter what the conditions are. It will never, his word, will never return to him undone. And, and let me give you something else that the Holy Spirit's speaking now. And this is a revelation I got a while ago. Remember that Jesus Christ was the word made flesh? And he came to this earth. And then at the end he said, it is finished and went back to heaven. So Jesus Christ, the word of God, came to the earth, performed all that God desired him to perform, and went back up. And his work was not undone. He sent his word. It did all that it was supposed to do and perform and came back to him complete. And now he's sitting on the right hand of God. So just as much as you believe in Jesus, you should believe in the truth of the Bible. Just as much as you believe in Jesus, you should believe that every word in your Bible will happen and will come true. We're in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. It says this. As evening came, as evening came, so we can be faithful Christians and we can love the Lord with all of our heart and sometimes in our lives, evening can come. Darkness can be begin to surround us. We can become hopeless. We don't have the light around us anymore. We know what darkness does. So sometimes evening comes. And the darker it gets, the more imaginative your mind gets. How many of you have been terrified by something in your house and maybe even screamed at it and only to learn that that was just a coat hanging up over there? I thought that was a man. He was going to get me. That was just my coat. But see, when there's darkness around, your imagination runs wild. You begin to imagine things, right? So when darkness comes, and the darkness that we bring upon ourselves is when we put the Bible down. When we stop reading the word, when we stop getting in his presence, the darkness comes, okay? So as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples. So the Bible said that there was an occasion where Jesus spoke to those around him and said that when you see me, you see the Father. That him and the Father are one, right? So it's no different that when Jesus says it, that it comes to pass, than if his father says it, it comes to pass, all right? So Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Let's cross to the other side of the lake. What did he say? God said that. He told his disciples, let's, let's. That means me and all of you, let's go over there. That was his word, right? His word is, was let's cross. It didn't say let's drown. He didn't say let's stop. He didn't say let's pause. He said let's cross to the other side. Does God's word ever fail? So we should believe what he says. No matter what circumstances arise around us, we have to always go back to say, okay, what did God say? I know what I'm seeing, and it can be terrifying at times, but let me close my eyes and recall to memory, what did God say? Let's keep going. Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus 
in the boat and started out. So as you are members of this church and learning about uh, uh, life and rest, so when God speaks, that's revelation. And then when we believe it, we become empowered by his word. And then uh, faith without works is dead, so that's going to lead us to a strategy. We're going to actually do something. We're going to obey God. And when we obey God and when we obey the strategy, we're going to end in triumph because his word never fails. This is the beauty of rest, right? He speaks it, the revelation, and it always ends up in triumph because his word never fails. But there's just a few steps between revelation and triumph. We have to be empowered to believe it by faith. We have to do what he said through the strategy, and then we'll see the victory. So Jesus said, let's cross to the other side of the lake. That was the revelation. But here's the strategy. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out. Remember, it's got to be step by step, though. So we started with revelation, and now we're getting in the boat. What do we skip? Empowerment. So if you don't believe what God said, even though he said it, if you don't believe what God said, along the way something might happen that, called, that will bring you doubt and fear because you were never empowered by what he said. You never believed what he said. So some of them might have even missed it, okay? They heard what he said, but then they just started going through the motions of the thing. All right, so let's keep going. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon, can you say soon? soon. So we know it's evening already. Darkness is all around. We know we got a word at night. So even in the evening season of our situation, even in the midnight hour, as the old saints used to say, God can speak to us, but when he speaks to us in our despair and in our hopelessness, if it is not mixed with faith, then we have to know that his word is always going to be challenged. You're going to have a test of faith. So here we see but soon, a fierce storm came up. A fierce storm. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Climate change. Now listen to this. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And in verse 38, we read this. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. He was getting wet. The wind was blowing. There was all kinds of chaos around him. But somehow, Jesus is asleep during this fierce, fierce storm. Why is Jesus sleeping? Because he said... Let's cross to the other side. When God says it, that settles it. It doesn't matter what happens between now and when we get to the other side. I just know that's where we're going. So Jesus spoke the word. And when he speaks, life comes forth. And when he speaks, it's unbreakable. It cannot be changed. He spoke and then he laid down on his word. He rested on his word. He rested on what he said. The reason that we have so much turmoil and anxiety and crisis in our lives is because we're not resting on what God said. We see all these things happening and it ministers to us. Whatever you're looking at, whatever you're listening to is going to minister to you. If you watch the news all day long and all, all the while they're telling you how bad this virus is and uh, there's going to be so much death. If that's all you listen to, all you listen to, it's ministering to you. If faith comes by hearing, then fear can crawl in that hearing as well. What are you listening to, okay? Let's keep going. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up. 
Listen to me. The only reason the disciples should have woke him up was to say, Jesus, we're here. We're here, Jesus. Right? But they woke him up from his sleep. He had already spoken, it, and now he's resting on his word, but they wake him up. And listen to what they say. They were shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And the Holy Spirit just put this in me right now. It's no different than when, when uh, God was talking to Adam, and he asked Adam this. Who told you that? Can't you see Jesus responding that way on the boat? They're saying, we're going to drown. And he said, who told you that? I didn't tell you that. Man, this is a good word. Some of you have fear in your lives right now about some things. And the question you must ask yourself is, who told me that? Why am I believing that? Is that what the Lord said? Then why am I fearful? Why am I afraid? Who told you that? We live in a world that is controlled by a little G God who is the father of all lies. All he does is lie, okay? But we've got the Holy Spirit as well. And each and every one of you should be crying out, Lord, baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Fill me with the spirit of truth that I might not be subject to the liar in this world. So, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Now listen to me. Jesus did not have to rebuke the wind. They still would have made it to the other side. This is the revelation that you got to get right now. God does not have to stop the storms in your life to get you to the other side. The storm can still be raging in your life, and God still perform his word. So you're praying that the storm would stop when you should just have a praise party in the storm and say, you know what? I'm not going to look at the storm. I'm going to trust what you said, and I guess I'm just going to get wet while I praise you. All right? Let your faith arise. Okay? Let's keep going. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind, rebuked the wind, all right, and said to the waves, silence, be still, or shalom. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Two years ago, I was in, well, two years last November, I was in Israel, and I was on a boat on the Sea of Galilee, the exact place that this happened. And I tell you what, that shalom is still there. It's one of the most peaceful places in the world. His, I, I said, if I can move anywhere in the world, I want to live right here. I want some land right here by the Sea of Galilee, right? I don't care how big it is. I just want to live right here. But praise God, we're going to live in the New Jerusalem anyway, right? So praise God for that. But he spoke to the wind and the waves. He said, shalom, peace, be still. And in that moment, oh, what a revelation. In that moment, nothing was missing, nothing was broken. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we went back to his original word. So he said, let's cross to the other side. They did not have the faith to believe that no matter what happened, that they would still get to the other side. So Jesus had to rebuke the wind and rebuke the waves, and so that faith in his word would rise up again, and they could say, okay, we are going to get to the other side. Isn't that a pitiful state? Like, I'm only going to believe we're going to get to the other side if it's a nice day. But if it's windy and stormy, even with Jesus on the boat, we're going to die. And we laugh at the disciples because Jesus was right on the boat. But can I ask you a question? In your storms and when you're afraid, where's Jesus? In you, on the boat, with you. And we laugh at the disciples, but the disciples are laughing at us. Like, yeah, he might have been on the boat with us, but he lives in you. 
So shouldn't you be even more silly to think that no matter where the storm of, uh, is going on around you, that he is there? Let's keep going. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you afraid? So remember what I said was missing between revelation and strategy? Empowerment. Why are you afraid? Meaning, when I told you we were going to the other side, why didn't you believe me? Where is your faith? Okay. Do you still have no faith? Then it says this. The disciples were absolutely terrified. So now they're scared all over again, right? First, they're scared of the wind and the waves. And now they're scared because of what just happened. And here's what they say. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Can you say triumph? triumph? That's the triumph of this passage, that they learn who Jesus is, and even the wind and waves obey him. Now, church, I want to ask you a question. If God says something to you and makes a promise, does the weather matter? No. Say it louder. No. So hold on to his promise, no matter how stormy it gets in your life. No matter, what it, no matter what you see, you must still believe what you heard. Say this with me. What I hear, what I hear from, God from God is greater than, greater than what, I'll what I'll see from the enemy. What I hear from God is greater than what I'll see from the enemy. So, to wrap that portion up, Jesus rested on his word. When you read the Bible, why does it bring so much peace to your life? <sighs> because you find, just like Jesus had a pillow on the boat, you find his word to be a pillow in your circumstance. And say, so you know what? <sighs> I'm just going to rest on what he said. He said, let's go to the other side. So how could he sleep? During a storm. Remember, we're talking about climate change. We're talking about atmospheres and environments. Because Jesus, the reason Jesus could sleep through the storm is because he was in another environment where the spiritual mind is operating by faith and there is life and peace. There is no fear of death. There is an unbroken state of rest. He did not rebuke the disciples for not having enough life or peace, but not enough faith. Faith created an environment in which they could have, in, that they could have enjoyed as well, but their faith was too small, or rather inactive. They could have sailed by faith and not by sight. Father, I pray over this passage. I pray that the revelation of this passage would be unlocked for us right now in Jesus' name. We cancel now, in Jesus' name, our need to see things well when we've already heard what you said. Again, we take authority now over the spirit of fear and anxiety to where we've got to see it to believe it. But we declare now, in Jesus' name, that we're going to reverse that thing. We're going to change the climate of our faith, and we're going to declare boldly that as long as I hear it, I'll see it. Believing is seeing. We declare this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why did the disciples get so afraid during the storm? Because they believed what they were seeing was going to bring them death. And they were afraid. But that wasn't the truth. All right? Now, let's go on to John. This is our last passage. John chapter 11. Beginning in verse 1. Can you say this with me? Believe, Believe. To, see. to see. I wonder how often any of you have people repeat after you, talking to your kids. Now, didn't I tell you to take out that trash? Now, say it with me. That was, that was for me. 
John 11, chapter 1, believe to see. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expressive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said. So listen, whenever you're reading the Bible and it says, he said, you should really perk up there. When God speaks, whatever is going to come out of his mouth is going to happen, no matter what's going on uh, in the storyline, in the situation. If God says it, then we know here's the gospel truth, and here's what the circumstance is going to have to align itself with. Even your circumstances, this is so good, even your circumstances have to align themselves with God's word eventually. Even your problems have to march over to God's word and, and obey his word, okay? Because God's word is the leader. It never fails, whatever he says. So the revelation of this passage is what Jesus says next. He says, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. That's what he said, okay? That's the revelation. No. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. I, I wish some of you that are going through some problems would write Lazarus 4 down. I'm sorry, John 4 down. John, oh Lord help me. John 11 <laughs> verse 4, write that down and put it on your mirror or, or, or somewhere because it says this. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God. So that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Your marriage isn't going to die. This happens so that the Son of God will receive glory from this, right? They're not going to repossess the car, all right? You're not going to get foreclosed on, right? This happens so that a miracle can happen so that God can receive glory from this. When my kidneys failed, it wasn't because I did anything wrong, because I asked God, was this punishment for something? He said, no, no, no. This happened so that I will receive glory from this. If you, wanna, you can't say that you want to follow God, but then not have your life be touched with suffering sometimes. You can't say you want to follow God, but not be used for his glory sometimes. Say this with me. My story, My story. for his glory. So whatever's going, whatever you're going through in your life, know that God is using it to set up for him to receive glory. Verse 5. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So you're wondering, why hasn't God responded to my prayer? He sees exactly where I'm going, what I'm going through. Because God's not in a rush because he knows he's going to get glory from it. See, you think he's got to come when there's three minutes left on the clock. But I serve a God who likes last-second shots. I serve a God who will run the clock all the way down to where it's hopeless, and the ball is in the hand of somebody that can't even shoot very well. And then they, they throw that ball up, and it just looks the shot looks so ugly, and it makes its way like a lame duck towards the basket, hits the rim, bounces around, boom, boom, boom. Boom, swish. And nobody can receive glory except God. Because you say, you know what? This isn't even our best shooter. I don't know how he made it. But it was for the glory of God. Say this with me. Our God likes last-second shots. Can you keep that in mind as you're waiting for him to do something on your behalf? The reason he lets the clock run out, listen to me. The reason he lets the clock run out is so that you get no glory from it. Amen. You can't say that you fixed it. You can't say that it was you at all. All right? Verse 7. Finally. So that finally does come, okay? He said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But the disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? 
That had to be so frustrating for Jesus. And many times he rebuked the disciples for having such little faith, okay? Verse 9, Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. And remember, that just happened on the boat. It was dark, right? Verse 11, then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. So that's God's perspective, all right? We want to change our climate to believe and see things like he sees them. He called Lazarus just to sleep. He says, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought, can you say, I thought? I thought. See, remember what we said in Isaiah 55, that his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts? All right? So they thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. Verse 17, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got the word Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Remember, our thoughts are lower than his thoughts. Our ways are lower than his ways. So sometimes, listen, church, sometimes... If we don't have God's sight or understanding about a problem, we shouldn't even talk about it. Amen. Don't even talk about your problems because you just give life to them and they stir up fear and anxiety. We should be praying instead of just talking about our problems. Verse 25, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. All right? Let's skip down to verse 32. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. So we see that one of the main things that upset Jesus while he was on earth was a lack of faith, okay? And so he was getting angry right now, and I believe the reason he was angry is all the way back from verse 25 because he openly declared himself to be the resurrection, all right? So now we know that Jesus is angry. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? So Jesus is crying, and we see throughout this passage many misunderstandings. He called Lazarus sleep, but it meant he was really dead, okay? And he said Lazarus would get up. She said at the resurrection, and he says, no, I am the resurrection. But then we see Jesus crying. And for many years, this is my revelation, okay? So if, I'm, if, I, if I got the wrong revelation, Holy Spirit will fix it, okay? He'll get me in order. But I don't believe Jesus was crying because he was sad. Because he is the resurrection. So he, if he has the power to raise up Lazarus from the, from the dead and is about to, this situation is not making me cry. I understand what's going to happen in front of me as soon as I say it. What's making me cry is the people around me don't even know who I am. And I am the resurrection, okay? So, verse 38, Jesus was still angry. It didn't say he was still sorrowful. It never called him sorrowful or sad. He was angry, okay? 
as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone, looking for Kimberly, a cave with a stone uh, rolled across this entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. See, culture, I'm sorry, climate change. Everyone's still stuck on what they're seeing. Jesus isn't worried about how the man smells. He just said, move the rock, all right? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Why did Lazarus need to be unwrapped? Because he wasn't dead anymore. Jesus spoke a word. While Lazarus was dead, he had on the proper attire. But when Jesus said, come alive, when God speaks, a new atmosphere comes and the environment changes. So Jesus said, take those grave clothes off of him. Verse 45, many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. And that's the whole reason God did this, so that more people would believe on him. Let's stand to our feet today. Let's stand full of faith. Let's stand uh, absent uh, from the need of ever having to see it, to believe it anymore. Let's trust our God. Let's trust his word. Let's believe he is who he said he is. Let's not put our faith in man. Let's not put our faith in earthly conditions. Things don't have to look right to be right. Things don't even have to smell right to be right. Because Lazarus has been dead for four days and Jesus wasn't worried about the smell. Natural circumstances don't scare Jesus. He just said, move the stone. It's the same thing he's saying to many of you. Many of you have some things in your life that are dead and stinky, and you hide them from God. The addictions that you have, the, the um, sins that you have, and you think that you can just keep them uh, behind closed doors. Your unbelief, you think that you can just keep a rock hiding your unbelief. But Jesus says, move the stone. And the stone he wants you to move today is the stone in our hearts. He does not want our hearts to be stones anymore. He wants to make them tender and soft. He wants to soften the hardened heart so that you will believe Jesus is who he said he is. Because if you don't believe Jesus is who he said he is, then how will you be saved? How will you receive salvation if you don't even believe Jesus is the Son of God? If you don't believe Jesus came to this earth, how will you ever be saved? And here's the kicker. If you believe that Jesus was born into this world from a virgin that was never touched by a man, and then you believe that he lived a sinless life for 33 years, then you believe that he died on a cross. Then you believe that he went into a tomb and was there for three days. Then you believe that uh, the stone was moved, praise God, and that he came forth. But he didn't even need that stone to be moved, right? He came forth, and now he's sitting next to the Father. You're telling me you believe all that, but somehow your situation is over? Somehow your situation is hopeless. Somehow God can't help you, but yet you believe all that. You've got faith enough to believe in a God that you've never seen face to face, but you don't believe that he can change your situation. God can do 
anything. With men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. But we must remember this. Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. Father, I have given them your word. May we shift from unbelief to faith. May we shift from worldliness to holiness. May we shift, God, from fear to faith. I thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I thank you that we believe your word at face value. I thank you, God, that we're going to open the Bible, God, and the Bible's going to open up a whole new world to us. I thank you, God, that uh, every lie that these people are believing about their lives is falling down now. I cancel the spirit of suicide now in Jesus' name. You don't have to kill yourself. That's a lie. You are worthy of love. God does see you. This world does need you. Don't you dare kill yourself. Don't you believe that liar who's telling you to end your life. That's a liar talking to you. The reason he's trying to tell you to end your life is before you see the change. Before you see the beauty of the story that God has written for your life, don't you dare believe the lie that nobody loves you. Don't you dare believe the lie that you're not good enough. God sees you right where you are, and he loves you even in sin. Even though we disappoint God, God still loves us so much every single day. You shall live and not die. God's got a beautiful purpose for your life. In Jesus' name. Some of you need to stop believing you're so sick. Stop letting sickness rule over you. The Bible says that by his stripes we were healed. Believe that. Believe that more than you believe that you are sick. Because as soon as you break off unbelief, you'll see the strength come back to your body. Now, I'm not saying stop taking your medicine and none of that stuff. I'm just saying stop, stop living in unbelief. And then you'll see some things change. And then maybe the doctors will take you off of the medication. Those with back pain in here, I pray against back pain now in the name of Jesus. Every vertebrae that is out of place, every nerve that is pinched, I declare now in the name of Jesus that healing is the children's bread. I speak to every back pain in this place, and I say, tension, go. Be relieved now in Jesus' name. If you had trouble bending over before, try bending over now. Bend over by faith. Twist by faith. Move by faith. And see if you can do something with that back that you hadn't been able to do before. I pray for knees now in this place. We believe that God heals knees. Lord, I thank you that you can heal arthritis and you can heal knee injuries, God. So we speak to knees in this place now. And we declare that, that, that locked knees be loosed. In Jesus' name, that new cartilage form right now in Jesus' name, for you are a God of the impossible. You are our healer. Your word says you sent your word and you healed them. Knees be healed now in Jesus' name. Those with knee pain, they do something that you couldn't do before. If you couldn't bend that knee all the way up, try now. Believe by faith that God can heal you right now. You see, we're, we're shifting. We're going through uh, climate change right now. We're coming out of that thing we always believed that would be bad, and we're saying, God, I believe that you make all things good. You make all things new. If there are married couples in here uh, and your spouse is near, grab, your, grab the hand of your spouse right now. 
Lord, I pray for restoration. I pray for restoration of marriages right now in the name of Jesus. Satan, the Lord rebuke you in Jesus' name. What God has put together, let no man put asunder in Jesus' name. For your word says the two shall become one. I pray against the division that has been happening in this marriage, and we declare oneness and wholeness now in Jesus' name. I want you to embrace your spouse right now. Just embrace them. And if, if, you, if your spouse is here but you're not by them, go to them right now and move quickly. If your spouse is here but you're not near them, go to them now quick. Move fast. Move quickly. Get to them now and just embrace. Every married couple should be embracing right now. I speak restoration to marriage. I speak restoration to families. If you're close enough to your children, get your children close to you. Uh, get your children close. And I know some are down in children's church right now, so we're just going to do this by faith. We're going to do this by faith. Lord, I thank you. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that you're restoring families right now where the enemy had weaseled in, where the small foxes had come to destroy the vine. Lord, I pray now in the name of Jesus Christ that families would be restored, that mothers and daughters, God, would be restored, that fathers and sons would be restored now in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Everyone put your hand on your heart. I'm going to pray this final prayer. I'm going to pray this final prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Every hand on your heart right now. Every, yes, God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would give us all a clean heart, God. Give us a clean heart and renew the right spirit within us. Lord, we evict. Say this with me. I evict fear from my heart right now in the name of Jesus. I am his beloved. He loves me. And nothing can separate me from the love of God. He has saved me and redeemed me. I love who I am in Christ. I love me. God's about to do something. Keep that hand right on that heart. God's about to do something. He's about to do something right now. Say this again. I love me. Say this, I forgive me. I love me. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Some of you don't love yourself. Because you've been believing the lie but it's time now that you come forth and you take off the grave clothes yeah. hallelujah it's time that you take off the identity of death it's time that you take off the identity of being a has-been of being below, of being no good, of being fearful, of being abandoned. Some of you did not have a good family life, a good home life, and that has wreaked havoc on your identity for as long as you can remember. But today, but today that is broken off of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Today, you're not searching for the approval of an absent father, or you're not searching for the approval of an absent mother because you have a heavenly maker you have a heavenly father who has loved you with a love that is everlasting and because he loves you you are able to say this say this with me I love me because he 
first loved me. Your hands should be on your heart. Every hand should be on that heart. Please be obedient. Say this with me. I love me because he first loved me. And if he loves me, who am I not to? Listen, you are not your mistakes. You are not the sins you've committed. You are not the lie you told. You are not the adultery. You are not the fornication. You are not the theft. You are not the lies. You have been forgiven of all of your sins if you have asked. And he has separated you as far as the east is from the west from that identity. So you're not a liar anymore. You are not unrighteous or unholy anymore. You're only what God calls you. And you are righteous. And you are holy. You need to learn how to separate the new you from the old you. We don't love the old self. The old self was sinful. But the new self has been recreated in the image of God through Christ. And we have the ability to see all things have been made new and old things have passed away. You better learn how to love you. And the reason you need to learn how to love you is because God said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's in your Bible. You got to love yourself. Because the way that you love yourself is the way that you love your neighbor. And the reason many of you don't treat your neighbor right is because you don't treat you right. The reason you can't love anybody else is because the enemy has not allowed you to love you. But that ends today. That is broken today. Today the love of God has set us free from sin and false identities. Today the climate is changing. Where there used to be self-hate, where there used to be uh, condemnation, we're changing the climate of our heart entering into a new environment and atmosphere where we are loved by God and we love God back and we love ourselves and we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Now listen to me. If you were sinning, stop. If you were lying, stop. If you're committing adultery and fornication, stop. That is not your identity anymore. As a child of God, be holy, for I am holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Thank you, Jesus. God's gavel has been slammed down on today on every word that we just prayed over ourselves. And the great accuser of the brethren, the one that accused you of being this, the one accused you of being that before God, God has slammed down his gavel and he's spoken directly to the devil and he has said, case dismissed. Case dismissed. Case dismissed. They are not who you said they are. They are who I said that they are as long as they believe by faith. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, I pray that you would seal these prayers and seal our hearts to be full of faith, to be free from unbelief. I thank you that our eyes do not get to dictate to us anymore what we believe. For seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. And we thank you for this word today in Jesus' name. Amen.